Well, howdy, everyone. It is Friday, and I hope you are indeed having the best Friday ever. And if you are not, then that all changes right now because you have found your way to The Jason Wright Show, where the mission, the, the, the only thing I want to do on this show is to make sure that you have the best Friday ever. And I hope you had a great week. Hey, before I even get started, I got to tell you something that I'm really, really excited about. I mean, I am fired up about this one, folks. So Texas Titan Media is about to produce a new podcast, all right? My buddy, Major League Baseball pitcher, Josh Tomlin and I are about to launch a podcast. So the first thing I want you to do is go over to, and let me make sure I get this right. I think it's uh, Tomlin. 43. I want you to go over to Josh's Instagram and I want you to suggest to him as well as me, go to my Instagram at Jason right now. And we need a name for the show because right now it's just the Jason and Josh show or something like that. And that's just terrible. That just doesn't sound good at all. So I need you to go blow up J Tomlin 43, J Tomlin 43. I need you to go up and go blow his Instagram up with some names for our new podcast. Josh is a, he's just in a, man, he's one of my favorite humans on planet earth or any other planet that I might end up on. He is just a spectacular human being. He has spent over a decade in the major leagues as a pitcher. And a lot of that is due to his incredible mindset. The guy is just a, he's a workhorse. He has, he is the epitome. I've used him as an example of someone who has a growth mindset many, many times because he, if ever anyone had a growth mindset, it's Josh Tomlin. So the show is going to be something that where we just riff on, yes, yeah, sports, obviously, and health and wellness and kind of the things that, you know, he's, he much like myself is kind of a self-improvement um, junkie, but more than anything, we're just going to be two dudes just rat riffing on all sorts of subjects from relationships. We're going to call balls and strikes and the balls and strikes segment is one of the ones I think is going to be probably some of the most fun on the show where essentially we tee up a topic such as dudes wearing tank tops and decide, is that a ball? Is that a strike? Maybe we talk about speedos. Maybe we talk about picking your nose in public. Is that a ball or a strike? Tattoos, ball or strike. What do you think? We want to hear from you. And so if you would go to jtomlin43 and then also to Jason right now and help us come up with some suggestions for names for the show, we actually have recorded our inaugural episode. We did that today and it was so much fun. I think that Josh and I are going to have a blast with this. Uh, I am so proud that Texas Titan Media, you know, Josh is moving into his post uh, baseball career. And, uh, and this is something that he has wanted to do for a while. And so I am so excited to be working with him on this project. Okay, so let's talk about monkeypox. Now that is something I never thought I would say. Monkeypox. I when I first heard and started seeing the memes for monkeypox, I, I thought this was some kind of a joke. I thought, really? And then as I dug it into it, and sure enough, monkeypox is a real thing. So I thought what I would do is just go and do a little bit of research, and I am going to give to you guys the the, the skinny on monkeypox. What it is? I have no agenda here other than just. If you're like me, that you're just kind of 
pandemiced out, diseased out, illness out, virus out. You just don't want to talk about it anymore. You don't want to have to go research it. You're just kind of like, okay, there's no way I could catch something called monkeypox, surely. So if it gets bad enough, then finally it'll hit me in the face and I'll deal with it then. Well, I thought what I would do is save you the trouble of even going and Googling it. If there's going to be, I can tell you right now, and you'll see why whenever I read to you what the World Health Organization has written about this particular disease uh, or virus, I guess, uh, you're going to see why this is going to get controversial. And so before all that blows up, I just wanted to give you, the Jason Wright Show audience, a little bit of an understanding of what monkeypox is and what it's all about and why you probably should not worry about contracting it. It's probably it's it's safe to say that most everyone listening to this show, you're probably not going to get monkeypox. And if you are concerned that you are, it is pretty preventable. There are some easy steps you can take to ensure that you are not going to get monkeypox. And I kind of like saying monkeypox. I know it's serious. I know it's a bad virus, but just kind of funny to say monkeypox. Okay. Monkeypox. Monkeypox was first discovered in 1958 when two outbreaks of a pox-like disease occurred in colonies of monkeys kept for research, hence the name monkeypox. The first human case of monkeypox was recorded in 1970. How in the hell did we never hear about monkeypox? I was born in 75, and I grew up my whole life. Chickenpox, now that I heard, I had chickenpox. Heard of smallpox, but no no monkeypox. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, during a period of intensified effort to eliminate smallpox, since then, monkeypox has been reported in humans in other Central and Western African countries. Transmission of monkeypox virus occurs when a person comes in contact with the virus from an animal, human, or materials contaminated with the virus. The virus enters the body through broken skin, even if not visible, respiratory tract, or the mucous membranes, eyes, nose, or mouth. Animal-to-human transmission may occur by bite, scratch, uh, bush, oh, bush meat preparation, well, watch out for your bush meat preparation, whatever the hell that is. What is bush meat preparation? I guess I guess that means like field dressing a deer. If somebody knows, please let me know. I don't know what bush meat preparation means. Uh, direct contact with body fluids or lesion material or indirect contact with lesions, ma- lesion material such as through contaminated bedding. Human-to-human transmission is thought to occur primarily through large respiratory droplets. Respiratory droplets generally cannot travel more than a few feet. So prolonged face-to-face contact is required. Other human-to-human methods of transmission include direct contact with bodily fluids or lesion material and indirect contact with lesion material such as through contaminated clothing or linens. In humans, the symptoms of monkeypox are similar to but milder than symptoms of smallpox. Monkeypox begins with fever, headache, muscle aches, and exhaustion. The main difference between symptoms of smallpox and monkeypox is that monkeypox causes lymph nodes to swell, uh, lymphadenopathy, okay, I got to get this right for you guys, lymphadenopathy. Oh, man. Lymphadenopathy? Lymphadenopathy. Did I get that right? 
lymphadenopathy. Boy, that must be brutal for you guys to have to listen to me try to butcher that word. While smallpox does not, the incubation period, time from infection to symptoms for monkeypox is usually 7 to 14 days, but can range from 5 to 21 days. The illness begins with fever, headache, muscle aches, backache, swollen swollen lymph nodes, chills, exhaustion. Within one to three days, sometimes longer, after the appearance of fever, the patient develops a rash, often beginning on the face, then spreading to other parts of the body. I looked at some pictures of folks that have monkeypox, and it looks pretty rough. Um, it's not it's not a pretty pretty deal. Uh, lesions progress through the following stages before falling off: uh, macules, papules, vesicles, pustules, and scabs. The illness typically lasts for two to four weeks. In Africa, monkeypox has been shown to cause death in as many as one in ten persons who contract the disease. Description of the outbreak. As of the 21st of May, 92 laboratory-confirmed cases and 28 suspected cases of monkeypox with investigations ongoing have been reported to WHO, World Health Organization, from 12 member states, that are not an endemic for monkeypox virus across three WHO regions. Table 1, Table f- Figure 2, uh, and I've, oh, that's, that's referring to a table here. I'm just going to read you guys. Uh, let's see. Table 1, cases of monkeypox in non-endemic countries reported to WHO between 13 to 21, or 13 to 21, May 22, as of uh, 1300, so 1 p.m. All right, so here's what we've got. In Australia, we have one to five confirmed cases. In Belgium, we have one to five confirmed cases and one to five suspected cases. In Canada, we have one to five uh, confirmed, 11 to 20 suspected. In France, one to five and one to five. Germany, one to five with no suspected. Italy confirmed one to five. Netherlands confirmed one to five. And Portugal, 21 to 30 confirmed. Spain, 21 to 30 confirmed. 6 to 10 uh, speculated or suspected, rather. Uh, Sweden, 1 to 5 confirmed. United Kingdom, 21 to 30 confirmed. None that are suspected. Uh, United States of America, 1 to 5 confirmed. None suspected. For a total at this time, and again, to go back, because I kind of mangled the way this is written, uh, it looks like between May 13th through the 21st, and so what we're dealing with the 27th here, uh, at 1 p.m., we had a total of 92 confirmed and 28 suspected cases of monkeypox. Now, here's just a little message from the World Health Organization. It says the, the reported cases thus far have no established travel links to an endemic area. Based on currently available information, cases have mainly, but not exclusively, been identified amongst men who have sex with men. MSM, I guess that's an abbreviation they use for that. Seeking care in primary care and sexual health clinics. Okay, so it sounds to me like that, and this is where the politics are going to come into it, and it's going to get kind of tricky because it looks like, Based on what I read from that, it says that most of the confirmed cases, and I take that as it says um, 
Based on currently available information, cases have mainly been, but not exclusively been, identified amongst men who have had had sex with men. So essentially, uh, men who have sex with other men have gone in and sought treatment and then have been diagnosed with a confirmed case of the virus. And so, therefore, it reminds me of in the 80s whenever we were all very ignorant to the AIDS virus. And all of a sudden, I remember very clearly when all of a sudden Rock Hudson uh, comes out with AIDS. And it became kind of labeled as a, a gay person's uh, virus and then of course you know made famous by movies such as Philadelphia one of the greatest movies that Tom Hanks has ever made and so therefore there's some of that happening here and it'll be interesting to see because I know this is going to be a sensitive topic it, you know medicine has gotten to the point where if you have a certain uh, a kind of an isolated cause and effect then and that is not very socially or it can be socially shaming, then it seems like we're not willing to, uh, we don't like to talk about those kind of diseases. Think, you know, fat shaming. If you, if you talk about um, hypertension and and and, uh, an excessive BMI and obesity, that could be, uh, and because all the science shows that that can lead to heart disease and a shorter lifespan and all sorts of other things like insulin resistance. But, so even though we know that's the case, we're not supposed to tell people that, hey, uh, your lifestyle that causes you to be grossly overweight can, in fact, lead to heart disease and then, you know, death and other problems. Uh, it, you know, we tend to um, get labeled as fat shaming these days when we say that. And so if this virus proves to be primarily in homosexual or bisexual men, uh, I don't know that we will be willing to say that because it, it could be taken as, you know, homophobia or homo shaming, homo, you know, homosexual shaming. I don't know. The bottom line is, and, and this is just, you know, not to get on a free speech tangent, but this is where if we don't have free speech, it could be kind of scary because this could actually save lives. And what I'm actually reminded of right here is this. I was watching this deal with uh, Penn Teller last night. He was talking, uh, excuse me, Penn, Penn Teller, Penn and Teller, Penn Gillette. Most of you know that um, he is an atheist, or if you know anything about uh, uh, Penn he is a an, an atheist, and but yet a very just just a cool, incredible guy. That not that other atheists aren't. So if you're an atheist, that doesn't mean like you know he's an atheist, but he happens to be a cool guy. No, I know a lot of people who are atheists that are that are quite quite cool. Uh, but he's just a, known for being a very thoughtful and intellectual guy. And he was given this story about how some guy came up to him after a show and who was a believer, meaning he believed in Jesus. And he, and this is, again, this is Penn Gillette telling the story. The guy came up and was incredibly complimentary of his show, like genuinely a fan and just complimented him on how much he enjoyed the show. And he said, look, he said, I'm perfectly sane. I'm not trying to proselyze you, but I want to give you this. And he, and he gave him a Bible. And so Pendulette tells how this guy was absolutely sincere and kind and was not trying to be dogmatic and how much he appreciated that. 
And he said he didn't even know if the guy knew whether or not he was an atheist. It wasn't like he was coming up saying, hey, I know who you are and I know what you believe or rather you don't believe. And so here, you'll be saved by the word of God. It wasn't anything like that. He said, I don't even know if this guy knew I was an atheist. He said, but he gave me the Bible and he said, and he was very, very sincere. And he said, I just wanted you to have this. And he then went on to describe and I, I'm, I'm, this has probably been described by other atheists as well. I know I have described my reason as a Christian in this vein for telling why I want to share what we call the good news as a Christian. I know I've told it from that perspective, but I've never heard an atheist receive it from this perspective and have, give this description the way uh, Penn Jillette did. He said, you know, I don't mind and never have minded, and in fact appreciate when Christians come up to me and tell me about their faith. He said, because, you know, if what kind of a horrible person would you have to be to believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell and be a Christian who understands what hell means and what separation from God, what it means for eternity? What kind of an evil person must you be if that's what you believe in your heart of hearts? And then you don't go share that message with someone who you think might be going there. And this is Penn Jillette's words, not mine. He said, it's like, I see a truck about to run over you, and you don't believe me the truck's coming, and the truck keeps bearing down on you. And then finally, I just have to tackle you and knock you out of the way. He said, it's the same thing. He said, so when Christians come up to me, he said, I'm actually grateful and appreciative of the spirit in which they're doing this. And in fact, I have, he said, I don't respect Christians who don't try to share their message with me because that tells me they don't care and they're actually not true to their faith. Okay, so as it relates to these things like fat shaming and medicine, here's where I'm going with all this. It's like, well, if there's this, virus that happens to be associated with a certain behavior. And by the way, I'm not here to, I'm not saying one behavior is good or bad. I'm just talking about in the context of free speech and being able to describe, hey, if you are going to conduct this kind of behavior, if this is something that you're going to do, then just understand it looks like you might need to be a little bit cautious and you might want to explore ways to protect yourself. I think we need to be able to talk about these things, and if they happen to, uh, if this virus ends up having to be having to be associated with people who practice a certain lifestyle, then I think we just need to be able to go, hey, let's talk about this, and so that you can get help and you can take care of it. Now, so if you are in this audience and you are in a monogamous relationship, what, however you define whatever you know, if you're homosexual, heterosexual. Whatever you're doing, if you're in a monogamous relationship, and then you should be safe. From what I'm, what I've read from the the World Health Organization and others, if you are married and you're faithful and you're being monogamous, then you should be okay. Um, and so, and that's it. That's all I have to say about it. This is not a. This not meant to be. Um, it's not. I'm not. The Jason Wright Show does not exist to cast judgment or try to solve those sorts of issues. I have my beliefs and my views on 
all of those things that if we were in here, if we were sitting in a private conversation, that I would be more than happy if you have earned my respect and my trust and vice versa, that we could talk about those things. But as it relates to the show, I just want you to know that uh, I'm just trying to give you the facts as they read right now from the, all the first information that I read you. That was from the CDC. And then the next portion was from the World Health Organization. So there we go. I just want to let you know a little bit about monkeypox. And so the the best thing, the, the best news is it looks like monkeypox as just as funky and crazy and as scary of times as we're, we're kind of living in. And now we've got monkeypox. This looks like one that we, we probably, by and large, most of us, um, are not going to have to worry a whole lot about. So just wanted to pass that along. All right, so I got to tell you something. I take one thing every single day. Without fail, no matter what, I am going to take a scoop of HMO powder in my coffee every single morning. What is HMO? HMO powder is it is from human milk oligosaccharides. This is a particular carbohydrate that helps strengthen the lining of the gut. Pure HMO super prebiotic is a fermented high purity human milk oligosaccharide with multiple health benefits originally found in mother's milk. This super prebiotic offers more benefits than traditional oligosaccharides like GOS, FOS, and inulin due to its specific structure and unique functionality. Where do I get mine? I get mine from Layer Origin Nutrition. This is this stuff, let me tell you something. It has had so many benefits for me. It's it helps to grow your bifidobacterium and your acromantia. Both of these cause you to have a very strong gut lining. You hear about leaky gut and you hear about gut health being so important to your overall health. Well, folks, let me tell you something. A key element in improving your overall health and your gut health in particular is strengthening the gut lining. And that's exactly what HMOs do. I first learned of HMO by reading Jay, uh, uh, Joel Green's book, The Immunity Code. Joel has since become a teacher and a mentor of mine. And, uh, and since I've started taking HMO powder from Layer Origin, I have taken 4% off my body fat. Now, look, I didn't make any other dramatic changes. I still do intermittent fasting. I still maintain pretty much the exact same um, workout schedule. If anything, I do a little more resistance training, so it's not like I upped my cardio and that's where the weight came up. The biggest change I made was adding HMO to my diet and then following protocols to strengthen my gut lining, and this has led to a 4% lessening of my body fat. I haven't gotten sick, and I can't remember when the last time I got got sick. I don't have heartburn. I have great digestive issues, so uh, it's I, I can't say enough about it. So here's what I want you to do: if you want, and it's, it's inexpensive, and it doesn't. There's no taste when I put it in my coffee, which I drink black in the morning because I'm still fasting. There's no calories. It's great. You don't taste it, so. Do this. Go out to LayerOrigin.com and use the promo code IMPROVE869. That's IMPROVE869 to order yours. And this will help support the Jason Wright Show. So I'd be really grateful. I am an affiliate of theirs. So if you, whenever you go and you order it, please just pop that in there, IMPROVE869 to help support the show. I would really 
really be grateful. And if you want to improve your gut always and always, then start with HMO from Layer Origin Nutrition. All right, so right now on the Jason Wright Show, I have my most recent conversation with Stephen Hussey, who is probably my favorite Brit on planet Earth or any other planet that I might find myself on, to be honest with you. Uh, We talk about literature. You know, uh, Stephen is a scholar. He's an Oxford-educated scholar, PhD holder in philosophy, and I think that's right. I think it's uh, just a general uh, doctor of philosophy. Man, I'm going to find out he's probably got a, a doctorate in English literature or something really cool like that. But either way, he's got a big old brain, and he's just a really cool guy that I thoroughly enjoy spending time with. And so we talk all about great books, and we talk about the writing process. Both of us are aspiring writers, and, and just discipline and all sorts of things. And so those conversations are always fun, so please check out the current episode of The Jason Wright Show to hear my conversation with Stephen Hussey. And then this week in the Vitruvian Letter, listen, this is going to be a really, really good one. I am including in this Vitruvian Letter how the economic machine works. Are we headed into a recession? What are the drivers of inflation? First, we must learn exactly how the economy works to answer any of those questions. And I'm going to present a full explanation of exactly how the economy works. This is a great issue. I just thought right now, with all the uncertainty that's going on with regard to it looks pretty likely that recession is around the corner. You've all seen the price of milk, the price of eggs, certainly the price of gas go up. And so I thought it would make sense in the Vitruvian letter to just offer up an explanation of why what is happening? And in fact, I don't really, and it's, it's not an ideological stance. It's not a supply side versus Keynesian model or anything like that. It's just kind of straightforward. Here's how our economy works, because I think that if you truly understand how the economic engine that, that runs, how it runs, then you can decide for yourself what is the cause of this inflation. So make sure to check that out. And if you have not subscribed to the Vitruvian Letter, my newsletter, please do that at jasonrightnow.com. You will be prompted to subscribe immediately. There's also a link up at the very top. And this is just a... It's just a way that I encapsulate all the things I'm doing every single week, every single day to improve always in all ways. It's short. It's sweet. It's right in your inbox once a week. I don't spam you. Uh, even though I had one of my best friends actually uh, unsubscribe and said that the reason why is because it was too spammy, which I thought was weird because I don't sell anything in the Vitruvian letter. It's just a uh, a one-page newsletter that has just some some tips and tricks and some things I recommend. I, I love movies. I love books. And I love documentaries. And so if something that's pretty cool is in there, then I will uh, then I'll include that as a recommendation. So so don't worry. His I don't know what his problem was. He must have had a I must have made him mad or something. So it's not spammy at all. And again, it's free of charge. It's low carb. It's keto friendly. It is, I mean, it doesn't cause insulin resistance. It's just a great newsletter. So please check it out at jasonwrightnow.com. <laughs> All right, here's a little tip I wanted to bring you guys today for improving always in all ways. All right, so I have really gotten into box breathing. 
And I, I, probably why this is top of mind right now is because I'm reading uh, a book by Mark, uh, Mark Devine, who it turns out is the Navy SEAL, retired Navy SEAL commander, who actually created box breathing. And so and it's called box breathing because it's of its four, uh, it's four box or it's four sides, basically. So you exhale for four counts, you hold your breath for four counts, you inhale for four counts, and then you hold your breath for four counts. So get it makes a, you know, hold, breathe, hold, breathe, makes a, makes a box. So first of all, what is box breathing? Well, it was created by Navy SEAL Mark Devine, as I said. Box breathing, also referred to as square breathing, is a deep breathing technique that can help you slow down your breathing. It works by distracting your mind as you count to four, calming your nervous system and decreasing stress in your body. Box breathing is simple and it's powerful as it relates to relaxation. It can really help you return to a breathing pattern, to a, your breathing pattern, to a relaxed rhythm. It can clear and calm your mind and it help you improve your focus. Now, you can see a demonstration of box breathing on my YouTube channel. Just search The Jason Wright Show or click the link that's in the show notes here. I'm going to go ahead and put that in there. And if you are listening to this podcast and not watching on the YouTube channel, please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. I'd be so grateful if, and look, I know, I mean, I want to really build as much content as I can and I want as many platforms as possible for you guys to consume the uh, the content and I'm really really trying to go all in on getting my uh, YouTube channel up and really making that have some great utility value so if you have not subscribed to the channel please do so I would really be grateful and there you can learn exactly what box breathing is all about I'll tell you one of the biggest uses I found for box breathing is that Whenever I go to bed at night, sometimes I have trouble shutting off my monkey brain and I get, a, I mean, I just have a lot of energy. And so I will actually start practicing uh, box breathing in bed and it really helps to kind of calm my parasympathetic nervous system and get me into a more, my, my heart rate lowers. And then I end up kind of midway through the session, just dozing off naturally. So check that out. All right, so I just finished a really good book, so I wanted to do a quick two-minute book review on William Faulkner's Light in August. This was a really, really good book that, now, I want to warn you, if you take this as a recommendation and you have not read any Faulkner, then I encourage you to go read some book reviews, or even read book reviews, or go out to YouTube and do a few uh, searches on Light in August or anything else, because Faulkner can be kind of complicated because he really uses a lot of flashbacks, and, and here's the mindset to get into that I have found with Faulkner's writing. You know how, uh, well, great example. One of my favorite movies of all time is Love Actually. And you know how these movies like Love Actually or The Holiday or they they always have all these random characters that seemingly at the very end you start to see how they're the six degrees of separation between all of them and how their lives actually kind of intertwine. That's how Faulkner's novels often are. You will have a, a bunch of characters 
that as the story goes along, you will see how these characters' lives kind of intertwine with one another, even though they may not really understand, they may not know it. There's there's like a link between two people, and you find out the backstory. And so, but it can't he can be kind of complicated. But this one, Light in August, I thought was absolutely terrific. So here's just my little quick review on it. It's set in the author's present day, the um, the inner war period. The novel centers on two strangers, a pregnant while a pregnant white woman and a man who passes as white, but who believes himself to be of mixed ethnicity. In a series of flashbacks, the story reveals how these two people are connected to another man who has deeply impacted both their lives. In a loose, unstructured, modernist narrative style that draws from Christian allegory and oral storytelling, Faulkner explores themes of race, sex, class, and religion in the American South. By focusing on characters who are misfits, outcasts, and otherwise marginalized in their community, he portrays the clash of alienated individuals against a puritanical, prejudiced rural society. Early reception of the novel was mixed, with some reviewers critical of Faulkner's style and subject matter. However, over time, the novel has come to be considered one of the most important literary works by Faulkner and one of the best English-language novels of the 20th century. I really think that you guys will like this, but I understand, but understand, brace yourself, okay? I, the 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 N word is throughout is all over this book, okay? But it was written in you know uh, the twenties in in Mississippi, but in, and you have to understand something about Faulkner is he doesn't write it as a flippant use of the N word, instead. What struck me is how, and, and he, he did this also in Absalom, Absalom, I thought pretty well. He makes you realize exactly what individuals went through uh, during that time who were of, of, after, the, 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 after the Civil War and blacks in America and kind of, and especially uh, those who were of a mixed race the discrimination uh, and bigotry against them. You and, and there's no there's just no way to tell that story without dropping M bombs all over the book. And so it can be kind of jarring uh, from the first time you see it till the last time. So I'm just giving you a heads up, but it is a worthwhile read uh, to get an understanding of this time and and also it's a it's kind of a you know that's one of the things that Faulkner always did he tried to describe some of the horrors of post-civil war uh southern uh areas and and places by giving a really hardcore straightforward account of some of the atrocities that uh that that uh African Americans uh suffered at that time and, and also just kind of the prejudices against other white people. Uh, it's just so, anyway, it is a, is a really good book, and I hope that you will uh, you'll check it out. It's, uh, that is light in August. I mean, you can get it on paperback on Penguin Classics or something like that for probably less than 10 bucks, and it's worth every penny. All right, so I'm going to include this week a quote of the week by Zig Ziglar, one of my faves. I love those Zig. Is 
One small positive thought can change your whole day. I actually wrote an article recently uh, about the power of positive self-talk. Peak performance psychologist Michael Gervais has noted that the key difference between two performers who are highly talented being a champion or not, 90%, so in other words, if you've got two people that have all the physical talent and understanding of the game or whatever the competition is, you got all things being equal, 90% of them, the one separating factor between champion and finishing second, and you know, like Ricky Bobby said, if you're if you're not winning, you're if you're not if you're in second, what is it? Gosh, I just totally bungled that. If you're not winning, you're losing. If you're not you know, if you're not in first, you're last. There it goes. You're, you're, if you're not in first, you're in last. There you go. God, messing up a Ricky Bobby quote. Gosh, shame on me. But the point is, ninety percent of being Ricky Bobby or being last is positive self talk. It's pretty crazy, according to peak performance psychologist Michael Gervais. It's one of the main things that Navy SEALs train their, their cadets on. If you want to go from good to great, you must practice positive self-talk. I wrote in this, you can go to Jason right now, I wrote about this in the Vitruvian Letter, and I have an, an article about it in uh, at jasonrightnow.com. Just go there, click on articles, and you'll see the one that has the picture of Stuart Smalley, Mr. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Uh, when you see that, read that, and I talk about why we have to be able to visualize and practice positive self-talk. So, that's to, that's this issue or this uh, this week's best Friday ever. I know I jammed it a, a lot in there, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you end up having not only the best Friday ever, but the best weekend ever. Please tune in this next Tuesday for the Jason Wright Show, the latest interview, and go crush your week, crush your weekend, and always endeavor to improve. Always and always, I am out.